Hello, welcome back to Shop Talk with the Sheriff. I'm Sheriff Gregory Tony. Once again, uh, for those who are just diving in and viewing, it has been a focal point of our podcast to try to engage and inform the community about things of substance that is going on from the Sheriff's Office and things that we are working on with our partners throughout the community. Today, I'm honored to have another guest uh, who has been a stellar participant and advocate for justice in our community uh, for really over 20 plus years. Today, I have with me Jamaro Johnson, who works over at the state attorney's office. But before I get into the specifics about that, I have to give you the highlight reel of what this woman has been doing. So for 20 years, she has been involved in some form of social service and law, and law enforcement. She holds a bachelor's degree in sociology and a master's degree in criminal justice. She's worked at the Florida Department of Juvenile Justice for approximately 16 years as a probation, probation officer. That is a long time uh, and a lot of lives impacted, and I'm sure she agrees. Uh, in addition to that, she's worked as a victim advocate with the Plantation Police Department. And as you can see, Anyone who puts over 20 plus years into the field of service must be passionate about it. But I'm going to let her introduce herself a little bit. Welcome to Shop Talk with the Sheriff. Thanks for joining the show. Thank you so much, Sheriff Tony, for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be here to, to share with you. Um, my name is Jamara Johnson. I am currently the human trafficking coordinator with the uh, Office of the State Attorney for the 17th Judicial Circuit servicing Broward County, all of Broward County. Um, and I'm also the president of the, I have the honor of being the president of the Broward Human Trafficking Coalition, which is a 501c3, it's a nonprofit organization, but it is the largest agency in Broward County fighting to eradicate human trafficking by way of raising awareness and educating our community as a whole. Outstanding. So we're going to pick up right where you left off. Today's topic is human trafficking. Uh, oftentimes in the movies, there's a segment displayed related to human trafficking, but it's not really as broadly understood and articulated out to our public. So what is it that when we hear human trafficking that our local community should know from a defining standpoint, what does that mean? You know, that's an excellent question. And it's important for people to understand that the reason that there's so much confusion behind what human trafficking really is and isn't is because people think they have an idea of what it looks like. And, and the truth of the matter is it, it looks like all of us. It doesn't look like one thing. So human trafficking is a huge umbrella and there's a lot of things that fall underneath that umbrella. So when you're talking about human trafficking, you're talking about um, sex trafficking, you're talking about child sex trafficking, you're talking about labor trafficking, you're talking about organ trafficking. And even when you start talking about domestic servitude, all of that stuff falls under there as well. Um, but the, the important things that you need to remember about human trafficking is that human trafficking is about two things. It's about exploitation and it's, it's driven by demand. And, you know, human trafficking, though it can be prosecuted under both state and federal law, the, the ultimate thing to remember about uh, human trafficking is that it doesn't discriminate, okay? Right. It doesn't care who it touches. Um, it doesn't care who you are, what, co what color you are, what, so what your socioeconomic status is. Um, the human trafficking touches everyone from all walks of life because it's about exploitation. And the, the exploitation comes from vulnerabilities, right? We all have vulnerabilities. That's right. And you know what? I was looking at some figures that I got off the State Department's website where it talked about roughly 25 million people, 
25 million people across the world is impacted through human trafficking to some shape, form, or fashion, whether it be uh, enslaved or, you know, brought into this world, that's a huge number. It, it is a huge number. And the scary part is, is that even though, I mean, you, when you hear a number like that, you're talking about global numbers, right? But when you start talking about your state in particular, right, and you start talking about how our state, the state of Florida, how we're like like the third leading in calls coming through the federal hotline to, to know that our state is, is included in that vast number of trafficking should be very, very disturbing for a lot of people. You know, human trafficking is about buying and selling of people. It's about someone making money off of the back of somebody else, whether it be for commercial sex or labor. And it, it really baffles me at times when I'm having conversations with people and it, it, they really just don't have a clue. And when you're talking about human trafficking, how could you not know about it? I mean, it's right. been the budget for about, about the past three or four years, but when you don't, it doesn't affect you, you don't really pay attention to it. Well, you know what? And that's the thing. Um, I think most of us, uh, as we go about our daily life, we are under the presumption that human trafficking doesn't impact us because it's not on the surface, right? I'm not in a car accident, now I'm affected. I'm not the victim of a robbery, and now I'm affected. But human trafficking impacts everything that we're doing on a daily basis, from the economy, employment opportunities, uh, other crime trends, because there's always a nexus to other crimes, whether it be uh, racketeering, uh, narcotics um, trafficking, and many other elements. And so, yeah, most of us walk around in a general setting as if it's not impacting us, but it's most certainly impacting us here in Broward County. And so let's talk a little bit about that impact on Broward County. Uh, we heard that, you know, here we are the state of Florida number three um, in terms of that impacting level in, in the country. And, and just a comparison, like numbers, right? There's 25 million people affected uh, by this in the world. There's only about 21 million people here in the state. Like just to think about that impact, right? Right. So... What are we doing here in Broward County? How does it line up? I know we have some partnerships available that we're working on and expanding with the state attorney's office, but tell the community about what we've, we've done so far. Okay, thank you. And that's an amazing question because Broward, um, a lot, what a lot of people don't know is Broward has been kind of like the forerunner and we have been the blueprint for a lot of um, counties within the state. Uh, as far as what's being done about human trafficking. So for a while now, um, uh, the Broward County has partnered with so many different community-based agencies. So a lot of these agencies, the Department of Juvenile Justice, um, Broward Sheriff's Office, CEPAS Department, ChildNet, Department of Children and Families, uh, Henderson Mental Health, Smith Community Mental Health, the State Attorney's Office, these agencies have partnered together for years um, with, the, with the limited resources that they've had in trying to um, combat this problem, especially when it comes to our children. Now, disclaimer, human trafficking affects minors as well as adults, men as well as women. That's a good and believe it or not, the numbers of labor trafficking are a lot higher than, than sex trafficking. And you can blame that on our ge the geographical makeup of our state because sure. we have a lot of areas in our, in, our, in our state that picking seasons, and you're talking about construction, you're talking about uh, agriculture, you're talking about um, landscaping. Listen, these are a lot of opportunities for people to take advantage of people um, for those purposes. And that, so goes, that goes back to what I was saying is, 
you know, we don't think that we're being impacted, but, you know, there are a multitude of construction projects going on in Broward County right now. Um, and we are a state that prides itself on agriculture. And so right. we are deep in the middle of this thing. If And I hate to simplify it to this, but you may be buying an orange at, inside of Publix that was driven by human trafficking. Now, that is the reality. Absolutely. And you're talking about, we're talking about the hotel industry. We're talking about, um, you know, uh, maid services, IMBs, illicit massage businesses are a huge problem in, in Broward County. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And so when you're not, when you don't know, you don't know, because you don't know what you don't know. But for us in Broward County, one of the main things that we've been doing, we started um, really paying attention to what's going on with our children. Um, about six or about seven or eight years ago, we had a huge, huge um epidemic here where with our foster kill children and our dependency children were being ravaged, literally ravaged by, by, by traffickers and, and pimps. And uh, the eyesore, it's still a problem, but it's not as a, a big as a problem as it was about six or seven years ago when I was working on hands with, with survivors, with police department, PI, no, it's known as the PI's plantation in. It was a hub because at that time, TileNet and Safe Place was next door to the PI. They were next door to each other. And so what would happen is, is the traffickers would just, you know, the kids would leave Safe Place, they would leave the TileNet building, and the pimps and traffickers would have made dates for them next door at the PI, at the Plantation Inn. It was, it was, it, our children were being ravaged. And so that was really the catalyst. Um, for all of the work that you see that we've done thus far is when our foster care children were being ravaged. Um, we staff our children here in Broward County two Thursdays a month. We have an amazing relationship with the uh, Broward Sheriff's Office Secrets Department. They do an amazing job in partnership with the Department of Children and Families, the State Attorney's Office, ILNET, and other local um, agencies where we are um, bringing to the table the allegations that are coming um, through the 1-800-96-ABUSE hotline. And we are looking at those cases, we're looking at those kids, we're looking at those allegations, and we're determining whether or not, and verifying whether or not these children are being trafficked, groomed for being trafficked, being trafficked or at risk of being trafficked. And then we're bringing in service providers to put in services to keep our kids safe. Some of our kids we have to send out of county. I'm so I'm so glad you outlined and highlighted the relationship that you have and your office have with our CPIS investigators because you know we are currently uh, have the potential of facing uh, state funding cuts when it comes to CPIS. There was some dialogue and discussion uh, at the state level looking at reducing the, the budgetary aspect by about six percent. And, you know, of course, I'm going to fight all day long against that uh, because of the things you're talking about. CEPIS uh, is on the, the, the tip of the spear when it comes to providing you and our human trafficking task force with intelligence that we are not going to get because of the access they have and the ability to go into these homes, go into these environments and assess and bring back that information for your team, our team to work collectively to figure out, hey, what type of threat potential really exists in this residence? So keep up that fight, and we'll, we're glad we're partnered up with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm disturbed. That's kind of disturbing because I really don't know. I, there have been 11 BSOCPIS investigators that are have been specifically trained and are designated specifically to 
um, investigate these HT cases. So to hear that there may be some budgetary issues as far as CEPAS is concerned is very disturbing because even though we have 11 CEPAS investigators that are specifically trained for that, all of the CEPAS investigators are touching these kids. That's right. one point and another, right? But it, it's just being able to identify them, right? So, and all of the CEPAS investigators are receiving the human trafficking training. They're being trained through the Department of Children and Families. That's become one of BSO CEPAS's, that's become one of their training criteria, right. that the CEPAS investigators receive that HTCSEC um, training. And so just because they're not one of the 11 specified CEPAS investigators, they're still touching these kids. Absolutely. So and we need them. So when they're identifying, they can get the child to the the appropriate on the appropriate staffing uh, uh, agenda, so we can do what we need to do. Well, look, I tell you, I I, I value is, the efforts. Yeah, I value the efforts that you're you're making and the partnership with CEPAS. So uh, we are we're not going to lose that fight. You know, one of the things I would want to do now is you're you're so experienced in this area. What do you where do you see us going? What what are the top three things? For us to be effective in this, that must be done. And I, when I say must be done, I mean like now. We to move this thing forward to really have an impact on human trafficking here in Broward County. Um, one of the main things, um, Sheriff Tony, I is I have to press upon is is training, and 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 not just training, but sensitivity training to the issue of trafficking. Mm-hmm. What people don't understand about trafficking is that. A lot of times, it's sometimes a cultural issue, right? So when people leave their country and they come to the state of Florida and they come to Broward County, do they leave their culture in their country? No. No. They bring it with them. They bring their culture with them, right? right. So cultural competency is extremely important when you're working in the field and and working with individuals that have been affected by trafficking. So... Mass training to law enforcement, community leaders, and community providers about what trafficking is, what is, what it isn't, but also the cultural aspect that's attached to it. That's number one. Two is the continuum of care that is needed. So, okay, back in January of 2013, we got the Safe Harbor Act, right? So that is, the Safe Harbor Act said this, okay, because for a long period of time, Children in Broward County were being brought to the, the Juvenile Assessment Center, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. And I know this because I was a supervisor at DJJ at the time, mm-hmm. charged with prostitution. Right? So you're, 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 yeah, you're arresting the kid, the 12, the 13, or 14, 15 year old. You're taking them down to the jet and you're, you're literally writing prostitution on the police report and the child is being screened on a charge of prostitution. That's what was happening, right? For a long time, it's not happening anymore. <laughs> there you go. We well, come thank, a long way. Yeah, thank God for that. that. That's such a backwards approach because anybody with any type of rational intellect behind them should recognize that if a 12-year-old, 13-year-old is performing prostitution, that prostitution is an organized structure. And most juveniles don't understand uh, how to go about marketing themselves, putting themselves out there. And I think you're going to get into this most of the real culprits were adults that were forcing these kids into prostitution, i.e. human trafficking. Right. And another component was that I was, I I used to get so incensed because I'm like, I don't understand how you're charging a child 
for a crime they don't have the legal right to give consent to. Because in the state of Florida, if you're point. 15 years of age of under or under, you cannot give consent to have sex with anyone. So how are you charging me that way? Yeah, you know, such so a backwards we've come approach. along. Yeah, we've come a long way. Thank God for um, progress. Yeah, but I, I, but one of the things that we do need to look at still is that okay, they gave us safe harbor, which said okay, it gave the officers an option. You come into the contact with the child. Safe Harbor Act says. If you suspect, the officer suspects this child is involved in some type of sexual act or, or sexual exploitation, they have the option of either delivering the child to the jack or a safe place, right? And that's what that's what kind of married DJJ, ChildNet, and BSOC this, that safe harbor act component. That's what kind of married us because then now it's like, okay, there's an alternative. The child, the ch- You're not no longer penalizing the child for being a victim because that's what we were doing. Right. We were penalizing <laughs> children for being victims. So they give us the safe harbor legislation, but guess what? They don't give us any funding, right? So they tell us we can put the kid in the safe house. Hey, where are the safe houses? Where are the safe houses? You know, we're repeatedly, you know, dealing with this issue of funding. Um, And I I always resort back to my whole model behind running this organization, which is public safety over politics. We're being forced to make the financial public safety decisions based on funding opportunities or funding priorities. What could be a greater priority than the youth in our communities who are the future of not only this county and this state, but this country? Um, And and this is a battle that we're going to have to take back again um, to both our state legislators and state partners because we can't afford to sacrifice any funding when it comes to protecting the youth here, whether it be human trafficking, CPIS, or any other projects. Uh, but then you had a third. You had one more item that you were going to cover. Right, and so that's continuum of care. So when, when we are talking about providing a specific service, with human trafficking comes an extensive level of trauma. Because you have to understand that human trafficking is like more than likely just the end result of years of crap that's that's taken place. We know that 70 to 90 percent of children that end up in the sex trafficking industry have a history of childhood sexual abuse. Their ACEs score is very high, right? Their adverse childhood experience score is extremely high. We all have an ACEs score. But those that have extreme experienced complex trauma, their ACEs score teens, uh, tends to be extremely high. And so normally the children that we come into contact with either has experience with two things, childhood sexual abuse, physical, three things, physical abuse or early exposure to domestic violence, hmm. right? And then you're talking about maybe exposure to a parent being incarcerated or not, right? So these are all things that, that, that play into their, their ACEs score. So, okay, you want to put the child in the safe house. Okay, safe house is good for 30 days, but after that, there needs to be a continuum of care. There, I, I currently mentor and work with young ladies that are survivors of, of trafficking who I've been working with for years. I think a, I think a lot of people for, forget that when it comes to uh, what is occurring with that type of psychological... Uh, true damage that that you're impacting uh, someone's life forever. Uh, I've had stories that uh, I've encountered as an law enforcement officers or individuals who have suffered from sexual assault or sexual battery um, who fall within that same kind of paradigm. And it 
has resorted in them not wanting to um, get married or has sexual relationships with spouses. And so things that took place, you know, when they were 10, 12, 11 years old is impacting them as adults in their 30s and 40s. So you're spot on with the continuation of care because it's almost, if I'm correct, a lifetime of care to come. It is. It is. And, and, and what people don't understand is when you say, oh, lifetime of care. But that lifetime of care doesn't mean that these, these like the, that person needs to be in therapy every day. Because the, the continuum of a care gives tools. It teaches, to, it teaches you tools on how to cope with your triggers, um, with your anxiety. So when, when you have those moments, when, that, when you smell that, that, that cologne that takes you back to that place, when you hear those keys jingling in the pocket and that reminds you of the uncle coming down the hallway to molest you, when, if you have a continuum of care, in that continuum of care, you're learning those tools that be able to help you not only just recognize your triggers, but cope with your triggers. Therefore, you're not, you don't need that therapy every single day, you know, but say for instance, um, you have in a moment, then, but there's somebody you can call. You may be good Correct. for six, seven months, right? Six, That's seven right. months, you're good. But boom, you got a trigger. I got a call last night from one of my girls. She was having a, a moment having a moment mm -hmm. she's fantastic she's driving she's coping but because of the 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 fact that she was trafficked from age seven to 17 some days you know she has some bad days absolutely right? you're not gonna, and so you're not gonna get there needs to be somebody there needs to be somebody available um that they can reach out to every now and then just to say okay hey you know yeah it's it's, it's gonna be okay so that continuum of care is that third thing that is very important and it needs to be available to all um, trafficking survivors, sex trafficking survivors, and survivors of sexual abuse as well. Well, look, I, I think that was a brilliant synopsis of the core three things we need to be doing here in Broward County. Uh, you know I'm committed to this as a sheriff of, of the county to do as much as we can with human trafficking. Uh, we just outlined a few days ago, a day ago, uh, some things that we need to do as a priority here. And so I'm glad to be in partnership with you. And, and I hate that, man. You're so full of knowledge. Uh, we're going to have to do a part two to this because I think we were just getting warmed up. Uh, but for this particular cast, I have to say, uh, Jamaro, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for providing yeah. your expertise. Thank you for the 20 years of service. Thank you for all that you're doing in our community and taking on this challenge. Uh, anytime children are involved, it, it's a very emotional uh, yeah. and tasking burden to absorb. And I can tell you, in my law enforcement career, I don't think I could have uh, absorbed, you know, special victims units or human trafficking uh, and become a human trafficking investigator because of the type of toll it takes. And, and yeah. it takes a very strong individual uh, and you're one of them. So thank you for joining me on Shop Talk with the Sheriff. Um, it was a delight having you. I would tell our guests as well, tune in next time. Uh, for all who join me, I say thank you for joining me on Shop Talk with the Sheriff. Remember that you can follow me on Instagram at BSO Sheriff. Tony, it's not a stunt double. Uh, it is me. <laughs> you can also subscribe to the podcast so that you get alerts for every new episode. So stay safe, be humble, and love somebody a little bit more than you love yourself. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Sheriff Tony. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Absolutely.